0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Jeff Dunham returns to Comedy Central this Friday with a new stand-up special called Me, the People, which was filmed recently at the historic Warner Theater in Washington, DC. I spoke to Dunham about his journey as a ventriloquist comedian and how he and his famous puppets are navigating the changing comedy landscape. Hey, Jeff Dunham. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. Jason, thanks
1: for having me. I uh, appreciate being back in DC, although I'm not back in DC, so it's great.
0: <laughs> but we're going to be talking about a uh, uh, upcoming Comedy Central, and I think it might be on Paramount Plus too. Uh, comedy special that's com- that you filmed in DC, right? It's me, the people, and it was at Warner Theater. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and uh, it was kind of like full circle because of my second, this is my eleventh special. And uh, my second special was in... We taped it in fall of 07 at the same theater. And that's when I introduced Ahmed the Dead Terrorist to the the world.
0: And uh, things kind of took off for me after that. DC audiences uh, are the perfect audience for anything political. It's the perfect uh, audience for that kind of... You know, I got
1: to tell you, I mean, people, unless unless you haven't been on stage... uh, If you haven't been on stage and don't understand this, you can you can feel the intellect of a crowd by how they laugh and I'm telling you I first noticed that back in college when I did a show just off the campus of Tufts University and that crowd it wasn't all young college people but it was a swift quick crowd I mean the laughs came faster they just got things so quickly and I got to tell you that DC audience uh, they were sharp they were quick especially on the saturday night it was just hot 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 so uh yeah
0: i love it there oh yeah and it's the perfect time with the, you know the midterms just happening or i guess they're still happening as they tally everything but like yeah. uh it's the when, when exactly during this period was it filmed um cuz we should tell everyone that it's going to air on friday november uh 25th at 8 p.m. Yeah. um uh, but when exactly was it filmed
1: Uh, About about five weeks ago, I think. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, it's still contemporary. There's still some, I like to make my shows evergreen, but at the same time, there's so much going on. How can you not uh, comment on stuff? And that's the other thing about the DC audience is the references there are just, boom, they're right there. Unless you're talking about NASCAR, then not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go out to like Bristol, Virginia or
2: something. But, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: but uh, anyway, so, uh, so this particular special then, the one that you just filmed about five weeks before uh, now in, in uh, Warner Theatre, it's called Me the People. Um, obviously before the election, but all the same stuff's going on, you know, January 6th, Mar-a-Lago, all this was already happening, so you, you can comment on all of it. So what sort of timely topics do you actually delve into, you know, without spoiling any punchlines
1: <laughs> well first of all um i know some people are only listening and not watching so they'll have to forgive what i'm about to show here a, so it's a just a shot screenshot from the show but um you know when when uh, trump was an, look this is what what i think the, you know, the trouble with comedy right now is that everybody's being canceled and judged and, and or vice versa judged and then canceled and uh Uh, you know, you don't have to be a comedian. You can be anybody. Say the wrong thing, and you're done. We all know this.
0: It's a tricky time for comedians. Yes,
1: it is. But you know, the luxury of being where I am now is I have an audience who understands what I'm doing, and they're okay with it. But I also think there's a line that I think too many comedians have crossed since pretty much since Trump got in office, and that is that. You know, it used to be all the way back to Will Rogers and then Bob Hope and then Carson and then even Leno, you never knew what their politics were. And they never picked a side and they made a both fun of both sides equally. And uh, everybody was okay with that. But they are also people I think were more okay with it because these guys didn't go for the jugular. You know, they weren't mean and nasty about it and they weren't calling names. They didn't group everybody into, uh, you know, those groups. And um of I and I have had that conversation that you, you know you make fun of the one person you don't make fun of a group of people and um, uh, so that's what I try and do is that I, I'm I'm just making fun of what's going on and I think I have an audience that gets that and understands it so when it comes to the canceling, I would hate to be a new guy on the comedy scene that nobody knows who you are and you don't have fans that support you um because uh, it would be very difficult right now. But I, I do draw that line. I'm, you know, I think anybody from any side of politics can come in and watch my show and go, okay, that was funny. He's making fun of that stuff and he's not making me look like an idiot. Because um, uh, when Trump was in office, I had a lot of fun with that. Walter, my grumpy old curmudgeonly guy, we had him, he was in some of our YouTube videos, he was grump, where he was, you know, had the, the hair and the whole thing. And uh, And then I even created a character called Larry, who was Trump's personal advisor. And uh, of course that guy was just a mess. He was just stressed out, and, you know. And, and now, you know, we've got another guy in office. And again, for the people watching, th- this is a shot from the show. But uh, you can see Walter. People said that Walter looks just like Biden, and I embrace that. So you can see Walter. He's in the uh, in the Oval Office, and he looks a lot like Biden.
0: <laughs> so Walter has played both Donald Trump and Joe Biden in recent years. <laughs> yep. yep, exactly. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I, I would love to go into you know um, some of your famous characters, and you can touch on how you know how they've evolved over the years in the current climate or whatever whatever you want to add. But um, I would love to sort of hear uh, go as. Chronologically as we can, like, where did you where did you grow up? How did you get into ventriloquism?
1: Ventriloquism, yeah. I, I was uh, I was in the third grade, and I just got a, I saw a dummy in a toy store, and in fact, he's sitting right over there. That's the little little guy with the hat on. That's the first dummy I ever had. A little uh, a plastic vinyl Mortimer Snurd, who was a you know a character of another famous ventriloquist back in the radio era. But, um,
0: and you're cropping him out of the shot.
1: <laughs> whoops, hold on. There he is. There we go. There, <laughs> there we, go. we go. All right. <laughs>
0: but now, wait a minute. He used We're to be important the... to me, kid. Now,
1: you're... but now the shelf is off center. Uh, Jason, no, it's is not... okay.
0: You, you can pivot back. I'm just messing Good. with you. I gotta, I gotta even it out. Now I'm there. That's much better. You're a memory oh, to me now.
1: <laughs> yeah, right up here. You can see the M16 uh, machine gun right there. Yeah. That There's was all
0: kinds favorite. of stuff.
1: That was my favorite toy when I was a kid. That was that uh, during the Vietnam era. And uh, yeah, that was an awesome, awesome gun that, you know, wh- hey, when I was a kid, that's all we did was we had gunfights. So,
0: right. You're surrounded thing. by your childhood. But all I, right. All right. I, anyway, I, I, sorry. I, I was just messing with anyway. you. So you grew, you were born in Dallas, Texas. Uh, and And how did you get into it?
1: Uh, I saw that little dummy in the toy store one year, you know, about a month before Christmas, and Mom and I are wandering through the toy store, and I just, you know, like any little kid, Mom, I want this. She's like, Yeah, yeah, put it back. And, and sure enough, Santa Claus must have heard that because it was under the tree that year, and I got a book on ventriloquism, and and I still have that library book. It's also right over there that I never returned but uh I, I i did a show in dallas one of the uh, the american airlines whatever the big arena is there and um we had somebody from the dallas public library come and uh we figured out what the fine would have been from 1970 when i checked out the book and uh, <laughs> I, I actually gave him I, I i paid the fine and then actually paid for the book i wouldn't give him the book back and then gave him them- <laughs> gave him to give the library an extra 10 grand. So <laughs> I mean, lucky for. it <laughs>
0: wasn't a Seinfeld. They didn't send bookmen after you. You know what I mean? The, the library cop <laughs> rest that's in so peace. Nice. <laughs> yep. That's right.
1: So anyway, I just started uh, doing shows in uh, third grade and uh, book reports and Cub Scout banquets and shows at church and then all through junior high and uh, high school. And I think the reason I didn't get beat up a lot uh, or at all is because, uh, uh, you know, I didn't have any brothers and sisters to tell me that what I was doing was, was really lame. Um, <laughs> but I also think there was a level of acceptance there because on stage, even in grade school, I was making fun of the teachers and the coaches and the lunch ladies and the food. And so, uh, you know, I was saying stuff that nobody else could say and that's carried on into now because of what I love about what I do is that I can point and counterpoint um and and hopefully people walk out of the show not really knowing exactly how where i am politically or one whatever because if the character says one thing i can then counterpoint and argue the other way so um it's just you know good comedy is uh creating conflict and tension and uh that's what i can do on stage with characters and uh between myself and and them so yeah so i just kept going and went to baylor university graduated with a ba in uh, radio tv and film Moved out to Los Angeles in late 88 and, uh, started booking, doing the comedy clubs around the country. Got booked on the tonight show, did that a handful of times with Carson and then on the Leno and then a bunch of specials. And here we are.
0: Wow. So getting to do Johnny Carson, uh, that must've been a, a dream. I'm sure you grew up watching him and, uh, um it's cool too like you're saying like in, in as a kid you know like you you could make fun of the teachers and and people and, and but they since it's ventriloquism they pro- you could probably keep your mouth shut and throw the voice and know i like who said that it was jeff <laughs> in the back of the class well, it was more
1: than I, I don't think the teachers knew what to think, because here I was, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a kid and doing pretty well, and I, I would always get A's on the oral reports and all that stuff, and I just felt like, even back then, I felt like it was cheating a little bit, just because I had this skill right. of oh, yeah. uh, didn't mean that I was any more, you know, uh, in, any better at, uh, at, I hadn't read the book or, or done a report any better than anyone else, it's just that I happened to have the report coming out of the dummy
0: so it was a cooler gimmick you know <laughs> I, I guess that's what it was. i'm not sure <laughs> did, it, did i read somewhere on that you performed for roger Stahlback back in those early dallas days oh yeah are that you? was my
1: junior high year so there was this camp that i would go to every summer and i eventually started working at the camp it was called sky ranch it was an it still is there it's great there, there are actually few camps around the country it's a non-denominational christian camp and uh so <clears throat> i would do shows at camp and um uh they were you know the, the skyline was always fundraising and they said you know we have these fundraising uh, banquets in in dallas so could you come as a camper and just show as an example of the product of this camp what happens and bring your dummies and just entertain us a little bit i'm like okay and you know, here i was in seventh and eighth grade so i'd never done really any corporate shows so i thought i i said to him i go you know maybe you guys should do what i've been doing um can i get some names of some of the people that are going to be there and i'll just make some jokes about them and so (laughs) a couple of banquets roger staubach who was you know the star quarterback of the cowboys in the late 70s um he was at a couple of banquets and uh there's this 13 year old kid on stage making fun of him it'd be like mr staubach it's good to see you here how's the season going oh maybe you should be out practicing
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey us washington dc football fans we love that they were our rivals so we probably would have appreciated that that's well, right. That's awesome. Well, I just had to ask you about that. That's hilarious. Well, what was it like? And you mentioned it. Let's loop back around. What was it like getting to be on the Tonight Show with with Carson? Like, do you remember di- which dumb? Did you have Walter with you at that point? Or oh, oh yeah, you- yeah.
1: No, no. That was a that was an epic night. That I'll try and make this short. So yeah. I moved to um, uh, L.A. in in late '88, like September of '88, August September of '88, and I had been going back and forth to to Los Angeles to try my you know dip my toe in the water of the comedy clubs because I really. Hadn't worked comedy clubs, living in Texas. And so I would go out there and comedy magic club in Hermosa Beach, California. Uh, the guy named Mike Lacey that owned and ran the place, he let me on stage a few times and he kept telling me, you need to be on the tonight show. I need to get Jim McCauley here. The guy that booked, uh, booked all the comics for Carson. And so he kept saying that, and that started in 86 when I was really <coughs> doing the clubs, then finally I moved there in 88. Jim McCauley had seen me a few times. Uh, he kept telling me, no. Um, You're just not ready. You're just not funny enough. And that started back in 86, my first audition. So I auditioned for The Tonight Show uh. however many times. And then in December of 88, uh, Macaulay said, you're ready. Show me the Comedy magically. He said, that's great. He says, uh, we'll have you on in like late December, right before Christmas. And he said, uh, "Just well, I'm going to come back one more time to see you the night before and uh, make sure you're ready, make any tweaks, any adjustments." So that was, you know, two or three weeks before I was going to be on. Went back to Texas, bought the thousand dollars shoot suit, told all my friends I was in TV Guide, going to be on. Then he came, Jimmy Collins came and saw me at the Comedy magic Club the night before I was supposed to tape with Carson. The next day, he left early, and uh, he oh. called me the next morning. He said, "Jeff, I got to tell you, I made a mistake. You're just not ready." and i had set a goal when i graduated from high school in in uh, spring of 1980 i gave myself 10 years to be on the tonight show with johnny carson uh and i knew that would entail a lot going through college and working working my way so 10 years so this was fall of 88 uh i had been booked and then literally had the carpet ripped out from under me and that had been my goal for almost a decade for eight years To be on that show and then he said no you're not ready and he said trust me when it comes to being on the tonight show with johnny carson it's better to be five years late than one day early and i've applied that to everything in life uh just don't get in a hurry just make sure that you're ready when when this opportunity comes and so so i kept doing shows and i ended up um auditioning for uh the tonight show nine nine times and i got uh eight knows from macaulay you're not ready you're not ready you're not ready and finally uh he came to the place called the ice house in pasadena he saw me and the show went great i killed i go i don't know what i'm doing how i can do this any better he walked out in the parking lot and he goes okay you got it i go i do he goes yep the
0: so ninth uh, time was the charm
1: uh yeah and what's crazy is uh I graduated in May of 1980, gave myself 10 years. I was on The Tonight Show in April of 1990. <laughs> <laughs> so I made it by one month. That 10 Down to
0: go- the wire. you you're yeah. talking yeah. about... And then
1: what's amazing, that first time, it was a... Fr- with Carson, Friday night was, was the night to be on. That was his favorite night. That's when the audience was hottest because they knew it was his night. Right. And that night, uh, there were two other guests. It was me, Bob Hope, and B.B. King oh my gosh oh yeah so it was an an amazing night and uh yeah and i did i did fine with my my act and it was with peanut and jose jalapeno on a stick but then the magic came when uh I got waved over to the couch and that never happened your first time on with carson but they that's waved. when
0: you know you've made it he liked it; he thought it was funny you know what i mean yeah yeah
1: and freddie DeCorta, the
0: uh executive producer he had
1: told me he goes don't you have another character and i go yeah i have walter he goes why don't you put that behind the couch i go for what he goes just in case johnny calls you over i think Whoa. he's gonna like you i'm like no that's not gonna happen he goes just trust me just put him behind so i put walter behind the couch johnny called me over i sat down we you know Talked a little bit. And he goes, don't you have somebody else? And I pulled out Walter. And then that's when the magic really happened. Because Walter comes out and he goes, I go, Walter, you know where we are? He goes, yeah, I know where we are. I don't give a damn. And then he looks over at Carson. And I go, don't you know this guy? He goes, yeah, it's my wife's first husband.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that Walter, that rascal.
1: Yeah. Then he what? looks over at Ed McMahon. Now, Ed McMahon at that time was uh, the spokesperson for Publishers House. You know what that is? The, yeah, the, I remember. Yeah, they the, would the, like, give away the, yeah. The sweepstakes, yeah. The money, yeah. Commercials and and walter looks over at him and he goes hey don't you have some letters to write
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i like that there. you're talking about him like in the third person not like well, i, have I came up.
1: <laughs> no I, I have to because and that's anybody that starts working for me eventually they drink the kool-aid because you can't right. say over and over you know when you made walter say no it's right. when walter said I so like then the, the the cherry on top of the whole night though is at the end we go to commercial break and I actually turned to Johnny and I said, Mr. Carson, uh, if it's okay, could you thank me for coming? Because I have a joke. And he goes, um, yeah, whatever, I'll thank you for coming. No sure. problem. So um, so he's uh, he turns to me at the end of the show, he goes, we've well, had a great night, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Walter, uh, he turned to Walter and he goes, Walter, I, I hope uh, we'll see you again and walter looked turned to carson and goes oh yeah it'd be a cold day in hell before you get me back to this damn show and um did he lose oh, it did he lose? <laughs> yeah that's johnny carson and here <laughs> i was basically a kid telling Johnny carson it'd be a cold day in hell and yeah carson actually laughed really hard and he goes that was perfect so
0: yeah now that that's was- hilarious and to your point that's you as just jeff dunham could not have said that to carson but the fact that you have this alter ego saying it it's perfect you can bust his balls it was great Yeah. And Um, then
1: I can, and then I apologize. I'm sorry. I did not my fault. (laughs)
0: The split personality. It's so great. You can play both sides. That's awesome. And Bob hope and BB King. I mean, come on. Uh, that's awesome.
1: Pretty sure that's JLo Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris
0: Jenner LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday, so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts, and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, all right. Well, uh, let's get you know. Thank you so much. Um, and but uh, I'm glad we we covered your backstory and everything. But um, eleven comedy central specials later i want to go at least into a little bit when people come you know what what kind of characters they're going to see and i don't know if you have any of them there with you but is walter there at the moment yeah hold
1: on it's uh it's not 11 comedy central specials it's uh i think eight comedy central specials one nbc special and two netflix specials
0: all right 11 total then
1: (laughs) So, we've come all the way back to Comedy Central. And, Welcome back. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to get a, a, a big number for them because I, I guess they're, you know, uh, well, anyway, I think they'd appreciate a big number. I still I hold that. some of the records there, by the way. I don't think they'll ever be broken. They're, yeah, some of their biggest numbers ever for pr- a premiere of a show and stand up specials. I, I've got a very loyal, amazing fan base, so it's kind of fun.
0: Awesome. Well, can you give us a hint of what which characters might we see uh, that you filmed at, at the Warner Theater right here in D.C.? We tune into Comedy Central uh, on November 25th. Who are we going to see? Well,
1: there's always a Peanut, the little purple guy. He's kind of nuts. And uh, there's uh, Earl is the new guy. So during the pandemic, like I said, I'd never uh, all the years that I've been doing shows uh, since the third grade, I had never gone in all those years, never had gone more than two weeks without doing a show except for my honeymoon. It took a month off. But uh, so when the pandemic hit, it was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? So I decided to, uh, do some Facebook lives and some YouTube lives and then turn them into regular YouTube videos where I showed people how to build a character, how to create them. And, uh, we did those videos and, uh, created a character that who's a younger guy, who's stuck on his smart device a little too much of the time and, uh, um, generation gap there for sure. And, uh, his name, we had a naming contest by fans and they named him that uh, one of the guy, one guy named him Earl, but it's spelled URL. So that guy's going to be in the show. And he's got, uh-huh. he's
0: got like a beanie and like a little, um, like an ear, earpiece or AirPod or something. In. Oh, he got his, uh,
1: Airpo- his, uh yeah. what are those calls? Airpods. Yeah. Right.
0: Airpods. Well, I didn't know if you had any of the characters with you, if they wanted to make an appearance on this call. If not, sure. that's totally cool. But, um, oh my gosh, Walter is here. Now, is that Joe Biden, or is that Donald Trump, or is that just regular Walter?
2: No, I'm just Walter. Who cares? Uh, Jason, is it? It's good to see you, Jason. Yes, thanks for having us all here.
0: Yeah, Jeff was just, your buddy Jeff was just telling us about how you told off Johnny Carson. And that takes some balls, Walter.
2: Not my buddy, he's my employer.
0: Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: care. Yeah, yeah. Well, what right
0: what, what was Carson like? Uh, <laughs> oh,
2: we're talking about Carson? Don't we're talking about anything new? Oh, fine. <laughs>
0: uh of course it was great yay <laughs> all right fine talk about something new what What was it like when you impersonate um donald trump versus joe biden like how, how do you go back and forth between they're very different people
2: very different uh, folks yeah well the good part about being joe biden i didn't have to do anything with my hair except dye it gray right yeah
1: <laughs> well we had a big old coiffure for trump it was pretty great one of the videos were outside and it actually blows up and you know Flies open like it's a big toupee, like it should, like everybody expects when Trump's in the, in the wind. How has that thing not done that? <laughs> and that was a
0: punchline long before he ran for office. That the hair was always a comedian go-to right there. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then what about when you're doing Biden? I mean, uh, that uh, you know, how's that different than doing Trump? I mean, the, the two ran against each other. One, they were mortal enemies, and you play them both.
2: Well, the uh, in Trump, you say things that uh, uh, are inflammatory and ridiculous. And when you're Biden, you say things that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. (laughs) It is kind of true. Yeah, non sequiturs, just sentences that don't go anywhere, and then references that make no sense whatsoever. That's it. (laughs) Trump, you just say say things that that pisses folks off and uh, are over the top and nuts. Right, yeah. You know Uh, what, Jason, we've never been asked that question, but that's actually i'm gonna have to remember this i'll remember it don't worry okay okay thanks jason yeah good question
0: you've never been asked that question i find that No, i've never been asked
1: it i I guess because we haven't really talked about you know these interviews for this special coming up are just now starting and uh I haven't really talked about how uh, Walter is Biden, but yeah, when you compare it to the Trump thing, it's, it, it is, it's uh it's really different. It's completely uh, <laughs> really different The comedy.
0: Talk about some of the other characters. Like, so Jose Jalapeno on a stick was so famous and Ackman, the dead terrorist came out, you know, after nine 11 was one thing. And nowadays I'm sure you've gotten some pushback from some camps about doing those characters, but Walter and Jeff, like, what's it like trying to evolve those characters in, in our current, you know, culture now?
2: All right, why, don't you, why don't you talk about uh, Ahmed first? Okay, Ahmed. Ah. Yeah, folks get all same. Oh, We're talking the dictators, and they can fun of folks. Okay, so you tell them. I don't care.
1: So um, <laughs> if it, it it really it it, it kind of makes me laugh because um, if anybody's going to get set, upset with Ahmed, Ach, with um, he was my answer to nine eleven. And so a year after nine eleven, there's nothing to make fun of. There's nothing funny about nine eleven. But I look to car, uh, to uh, Lino and Letterman, and they were making fun of those guys and Osama bin Laden and we hadn't found him yet. And uh, so making fun of those those guys. So I said, I know where Osama bin Laden is. He's dead and he's hiding in the suitcase in the trunk with all my characters. So I went to the store and I bought this little plastic bumbling skeleton and uh, made him into uh, the dead Osama. And uh, I wanted to make sure that this was going to work. And I wrote jokes, um, imagining that there were family members Uh, in the audience that had lost people directly from 9-11. And a year later, what would they be ready to laugh at? What would help them move forward and what would make the rest of the country laugh as well? I wrote those jokes, did that material, and then I thought, I'm not gonna go to Alaska or Hawaii or someplace as far away as possible to try it out. I'm gonna do this right where it counts. And so I got booked at a comedy club called Bananas, uh, six miles from ground zero, and uh, did the show. And I was fairly well known then in the comedy world, the comedy clubs I was uh, doing great. Uh, And, uh, you know, sold out on a Friday night was the first show and uh, did my 45, 50 minutes of my regular characters. And then I said, well, folks, there's one sentence we've all been waiting to hear. And that is Osama bin Laden is dead. And of course, the crowd went crazy. And I said, well, I got to tell you, we have a special guest tonight. I think I found him. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Osama bin Laden. And all the
0: way it was from like- Abbottabad, Abbott, Pakistan.
1: Exactly. But it was like God put a big vacuum cleaner and sucked all the air out of that room. It was right. completely quiet because I know those people were thinking, what is this a hole from California right. brought us now? And uh, I pulled out this bumbling skeleton and ad libbed the I kill you for the very first time, went through the jokes, and it couldn't have gone better. And then it just kept growing after that, and uh, more and more shows. I then put him away for a couple of years, and then brought him back for my next special, which was "Spark of Insanity" at the uh, at the Warner Theater in DC, and brought him out on stage and went through this his initial routine, and again, just amazing response. It took off. The YouTube videos went crazy. Started getting you know uh, letters from the military and the military uh, folks' families. Uh, thanking me for this. And they started using him as nose art on aircraft, uh, all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was just nuts. So, um, he will be uh,
0: here in this special. That's about to air uh he was at Maybe. the Warner
1: theater that night he certainly right. was at the Warner theater during the show all right um, so,
0: for, so for you as a comedian the nuance needle to thread like you were saying earlier is you said you can't make fun of the bigger group of you know you're not making fun of all muslim americans you're targeting actual bin laden and then make fun of a specific yeah. person is how you do comedy
1: yeah and i do i make make it a, a my whole point with with all that was he was embraced by the country and now And then in 2016, I did another Comedy Central special called All Over the Map, which we literally went all over the map. We went to, I don't know how many different continents and countries and everywhere, all the way from, uh, you know, from here to Canada, to Iceland, to South Africa, to Australia, to Singapore, to the Middle East. So my point was, though, here I was in the middle of the Middle East in uh, Abu Dhabi. Doing a show for 4,000 Muslims, and who was their, fa- you know, all in the dish dash outfit, the men, the women, all in black, and the men all in white. Who was their favorite character? Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. Then this is how crazy the world is, how great the world is when you look at it from a certain perspective. Two nights later, I'm in the middle of Tel Aviv, Israel, doing the exact same show for 4,000 Jewish people, and guess who their favorite character was? Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. So, so it crossed both lines, yeah. Yeah, and I'm doing the exact same show. I didn't change a word of it, and um, so my point. Since then, that, that was really one of those. That was one of those moments that, standing on stage, you know, you're, you're able to think even while you're doing your act. And it was like, how in the world did this happen? How is this happening? It was almost a, was a tearjerker kind of time to see that happening, because comedy is so universal. We all laugh, laugh at the same things. Uh, We all have the same problems, uh, you know, we're we're, it's family and job and and uh, food on the table and relatives and all those universal themes that we can all joke about. And that's what I did. And um, uh, so anybody who has a problem with the dead terrorist, it's usually someone who has nothing to do with uh, being any part of the group of people that might be
0: concerned about him. Right. And you (laughs) You have no. Yeah same with Jose jalapeno
1: yeah Jose jalapeno on a stick oh man never ever have I ever had a Hispanic person complain about Jose jalapeno on a stick it's in fact if he's the for a a year or two when I left him out of the show people were upset and and uh uh I have so many Hispanic people saying that they he's their favorite character and it's because I I'm not making fun of anybody uh he's a jalapeno on a stick with a mexican accent and he picks on peanut every much as peanut picks on him and usually he has the upper stick <laughs> upper hand, um the upper hand upper and hand. uh
0: so yeah there's you know uh, and uh, i, I, I and you got it, bubba j you make fun of you know redneck white he's a, red, I mean, well, that, a couple white guys here but yeah you make fun of bubba j too
1: well, I, I think I'm, I'm okay with that because basically that's where I grew up and how I grew up. So I, <laughs> I, I understand the redneck thing very uh, well because I grew up in Texas. And uh, yeah, but you know what? Even when Walter was coming along, well, even when when I put Walter in the show, people were like, oh, no, old people are going to think you're making fun of him.
2: And we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Oh, yes. Well, anyway. So. Um, uh, well, you
0: can't just come on. the. the I w- thank you for being open and honest because you can't just go on stage and say, well, I can't talk about anything back to you. I mean, you you have to have material. So it's about trying to do it respectfully, nuanced, targeted. Yeah. Like, thank you for explaining that. You know, it's got to be a tricky time to do it. Um. Well, you've been hilarious over the years, and Walter. Sorry, we got talking. I mean, we feel like we've we left you out of the conversation here. You just I, I don't really care,
2: Jason. I'm just sitting here on a desk next to Jeff, and it's just a
0: fascinating. And um,
2: <laughs> you have a much uh, you have a much nicer background than Jeff does. It looks it's tasteful. You have one photo there, or something. It's like that's all wife. my
0: that's my wife uh, Ashley. She she decorated all this, you know. So oh, she did. Okay, good, because it's uh, very
2: tasteful. You look behind Jeff; it looks like you know Walt Disney threw up.
0: <laughs> well one of those pieces of vomit uh he introduced me to his first uh ventriloquist dummy have you met oh, have that you... piece of crap over on the wall yeah that's great he's <sighs> out of the frame now you know we don't we don't show him anymore before we run do, walter do you have any favorite characters other than yourself you're not allowed to say yourself what are the other characters like when you're hanging out with them you know in in the truck or in the back of the van or whatever
2: well I'll just run through on Peanut is a just uh, he's a, an an idiot like on uh, I don't know what he is a dunny on crack no <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what he is. We don't know where he's thrown. No one cares. And uh, <laughs> then there's Brother Jay, the white trash trailer park guy. You know he's okay to hang out with, but he drinks a little too much. Then there's Ahmed, the dead terrorist. He's a terrorist, for God's sakes. You tell me, Jason. I'm running down the list. Who would you want to hang out with? It would the none of the above? <laughs> I
0: would hang out with you, Walter, because you seem like oh. a, a distinguished gentleman. I love oh. your hair haircut and the bow tie.
2: Well, thanks, Jason. Now I feel that he said something nice about you. Okay, sorry, Great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jason, you should come out to the. Uh, you should come out to one of our
1: shows. We're, we'll be heading back to DC sometime soon.
0: Yeah, exactly. But but until then, you can see uh, the historic Warner Theater here in DC. You can see it on the Comedy Central special. It's going to air on Friday, November twenty fifth. So you know, if you got family in town, the whole Thanksgiving weekend, you know what I mean? Like, come check. to You got to tune in and check it out. Yeah, and, and people
1: to. ask us. People ask us: Is is the show? Is my live show? Is the special? Is it family friendly? And then Walter, what's the answer? It depends on your
0: family. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, if you got a if you got a Jeff Foxworthy family, they might like Bubba. If you it depends what your family is, you know what I mean? But by the way, I I was very
1: cognizant this time. I have seven year old twin boys, and uh I was very cognizant of what would I at Thanksgiving time be okay with sitting down with the family to watch. And so I think what we ended up with on Comedy Special, I think everybody can sit down. It's got some edge to it, but I think grandma and the kids will be okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, watch your watch your Macy's parade and your It's a Wonderful Life, and then the next day on Black Friday, there you go. Oh, come home from shopping and check in with Walter here. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Go. Well, I I really appreciate you making so much time for us and bringing on the puppets. Sorry, Walter, you're you're a real person. Sorry, I, I'm okay. sorry. I don't mean to call you a puppet. You know, it's I mean?
2: okay. It's just fine, Jason. I understand. We'll
0: Walter, be- what's it like having a guy's hand up here? You know what? Oh. <laughs> do we have to go there now a... he's like i thought we were signing off uh, oh, no. he has soft hands <laughs> <laughs> it's okay <laughs> yeah i hope he trimmed his nails <laughs> yeah.
2: he lost his watch
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is this pulp fiction
1: that's, that's actually one of the bits in the show where peanut says he that uh he found my watch <laughs> <laughs> i love so that it. Made it that made it in the special so, oh
0: man yeah well you go yeah I, I think that's the perfect place to leave it the, the soft hand <laughs> hand
2: up the ass jokes. that's good good night everybody yeah. can't talk
0: that that's all right see you at it like, like jerry Seinfeld. he had to leave oh, or no that was costanza that's all right i'm out of here that's all right. right hey thanks so much jeff dunham right, i appreciate it thanks for the time see you all soon right. jason all right, later thanks. see you walter bye Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy.